This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Saturday Squeeze is your shortcut to being informed weekend style. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire, this week we've got a bit of an explainer on why so many Aussies Googled a soccer match that'll be played tomorrow morning. And we'll take a look at Kathleen Folbig's release from prison. Yeah, and I think we'll have to touch on the hike in interest rates. Mm -hmm. Not a lot, but let's just get across it because it was a big story this week. Uh, Certainly it's going to play out again next week as well. It's also happy birthday to a very prominent world leader. 70th birthday. Yeah. Let's get into it. The most clicked link in the Squiz Today email was emphatic this week. I clicked on it, so I'm not surprised. Although I'm often shocked, but I wasn't this week. You're a contrarian. Well, sometimes. It was about the new flight seats. So a double-decker situation aeroplane seat prototype that was featured at the Aircraft Interiors Expo in Hamburg in Germany this week. It's a really big show, that one. And it's where they get some innovation out of how we fly. And there's, of course, a real focus on design. And look, this one just looks awful. It's it's sort of like bunk beds, I guess, a little bit. double-decker. The idea is that you have a little bit more um, leg room, but literally someone's backside yep. is in line with your head. And look, aesthetically that might not be the best. I'm thinking <laughs> long, on who it is. long flights, it can get a bit farty as well. Oh, no. Which wouldn't be good. I think this is why I clicked on it. I think in this Quiz Today <laughs> newsletter you guys said it, there was some sort of concern around flatulence and I think that was the <laughs> That's concern. What, that was the hook that got you in. That was the hook that got me in. It was um, like, I mean, cost, claustrophobic, so oh. claustrophobic. Oh, it would be quite nice to be at the top level though. Something quite weird about this sort of industrial scale movement of people and packing them in like sardines. It's kind of creepy. It is a little creepy. Don't know if it's going to go ahead, but good on them for putting it out there. (laughs) Bigger story of the week, Claire. This week we pulled the data from Google Trends, which shows the most searched news story. We did the same thing last week. It was the state of origin Mm -hmm. last week. This week it's Manchester City and their big game against Inter Milan. You mentioned it in the headlines. It's in Istanbul Sunday morning, so tomorrow morning. It's been a big story. It has been and this is about Man City winning the Premier League title. They did that last month. Then last weekend they won the FA Cup, which is a really big deal. So they're really big titles when it comes to soccer in the UK. This football, of course. This weekend though, it is the European Champions League. If they win that, they'll be the first team since 1999 to win the treble, which is a really, really big deal. That's a really big deal. And I know you got really into it. Yeah. I love momentous events. Yeah. I think that's what this is. History making. History making. I read that they are expected to win. Expected to win. And there's a bit of a gun coach behind it who made an appearance in Ted Lasso this season as well. So yeah, it's beyond just sport. It it's sort of permeating into the culture. I think I that's the point. Yeah, mm. it's it's sort of one of those big stories because mm. it's gone beyond football fans um, and it's going to be something everyone's talking about on Sunday, win, lose, draw, whatever happens. Yeah, and we've all heard of David Beckham. So he was part of the team that did it last time. So, gotcha. yeah, it's a big deal. Gotcha. Um, the other big deal this week was the news that the PGA Tour, so we're talking golf, yep. would merge with the Live Tournament. Bombshell. 
It really was and it's still reverberating. Like people are still trying to make sense of it. Yeah, I couldn't make complete sense of it. Yeah, not just golf fans but even those who are the players involved, um, the people involved with those tournaments. uh, It really was a big deal. And, of course, the change has come about because I guess the pie is only so big Mm. and Liv has so much money. So the background to this one is that the PGA Tour is sort of the legacy golf tour. They've been around forever. Um, They really hated the live. It's only been – well, it's actually only been active for less than a year. The concept has been a bit longer but it's it's, it's very, very new. A breakaway tournament, as they say. It's got a few different formats so they play in teams. It's a whole thing. The most controversial part of it all is that it's funded by the Saudi government. Yes. And – Part of, of course, all the commentary around that is how the Saudi government uses events, mm-hmm. particularly in this case golf, sporting events, to do what they call sports washing. Uh, what that is about is, of course, governments or organisations looking to improve their reputation on the back of these sort of glorious events. And there's opinions on either side of this argument. Greg Norman has been the person that's headed up this live tournament. What this deal does is create basically a new company that would consolidate sort of all their television rights, all their contracts, all their marketing with this Saudi money. So part of the new tournament will be funded by the Saudi government. Yeah. Um, it'll bring all the players back into one tournament. So yeah. what had happened is some of the best players in the world weren't yeah. playing in the PGA because they were playing in the live tournament. Um, for big fees. For big, big money. Like hundreds of millions of dollars. Which when you think about the conversation around sports washing and you think about the conversation around how much money they're making, Mm. so many moral questions are raised. Yeah, and of course those who are comfortable with what's happening in golf, those tied up in all of this sort of saying, well, you know, if you're going to throw the stones – don't fly on Saudi-backed airlines. No, and, Don't and, buy and so the conversation from Saudi goes, company. Yeah. Like it, it goes very, very deep. Don't drive a car because your oil comes from there. And just to put it out there, this is a bigger conversation than just golf. So the Saudi mm. government um, sponsors Formula One racing. They own an English soccer team. It's a bigger news story than just golf. Um, so one we wanted to um, put on people's radar and also I think there's a shortcut in coming, Claire, on this. You reckon? I reckon we're going to shortcut this. a good one, this. I reckon, yeah. Um, I'm also looking forward to the inevitable documentary series <sighs> on the PGA Live um, I don't know, what do you call it? Breakdown, merger, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But, yeah, no, good shout. I'd be absolutely getting the popcorn out for that. Someone will do it. On to uh, the new story we've been talking about. Claire, the story that got us talking, it's a, it's a really tricky one, this Kathleen Folbig mm. news. Um, her release from prison, I, I mean, I know this has been bubbling away, but – I didn't realise that she was that close to being released from prison Mm. and that this was going to happen. Mm. This was a huge story this week. Yeah, it really was many taken by surprise, I Mm. think, just just like you were. And it seems that through all of these sorts of cases, but hers is a very particular type, there always seems to be an appeal going on or Mm. an inquiry or something. So uh, what happened in terms of that process this week was that the guy who was looking, a former judge who was looking into her case uh, in what they call a judicial inquiry, actually only on Friday last week sent the preliminary report to the Attorney General in New South Wales. He read it over the weekend and Monday morning it was all on. And she was out. Um, The background to this is that Kathleen Folbig, for those who don't know, was known as Australia's worst female serial killer. Um, It's a really crass way of describing her situation now, particularly in hindsight. She was convicted of killing three of her children 
and for the manslaughter of another one, all were aged under 19 months old. She served 20 years in prison, some of that in solitary confinement, before she was pardoned and released this week. Yeah, so the extent to which she's fought her conviction over the years is really quite staggering. Mm. Uh, She was jailed in 2003. She appealed that decision and that was rejected. Then there was the first judicial inquiry in 2018. So there was quite a long time that she was in prison uh, feeling quite dejected over all of that, as were her supporters. Um, That inquiry found no reason to overturn her conviction. She then appealed that finding and that was rejected. And this second inquiry has gone her way. And that was the thing that struck me is the support she's had from like a really hardcore group of people who Mm. aren't her immediate family. Mm. Um, In fact, she doesn't have a lot of immediate family or any immediate family. Um, They're friends Mm. that she had in primary school who lost touch with her over the years and then saw what was happening, saw her case, um, got back together led by a a woman named Tracy Chapman and fought this and fought this with her for 20 years. It's quite an extraordinary story. Yeah, and her lawyer said this week that that long-term fight, because she has been fighting for 20 years, uh, would not have happened without those friends. They were the ones who really carried the torch for her and continued to keep it in front of the government and in front of the media. Yeah, and of course what happened is that um, an intervention by science really saying that um, her children may have had a genetic condition that led to their deaths over time. Her former husband maintains that he thinks that she killed her children. Um, You were talking to me about the way her release from prison was managed. Yeah. And these, you know, you think it's all very organic and she's out of prison and, you know, she's just a woman with a friend. Mm. It was actually quite orchestrated. And there has been a PR firm that has been working with Tracy Chapman and with their supporters on managing all of this, keeping it in the media, Mm. um, keeping people engaged with it. Um, The picture you might remember on that Monday of the women embracing Tracy Chapman and and Kathleen Folbig, uh, there was a press conference the next day that was very well organised and then there was a video. Video released, yeah, yeah, of her in um, – she's staying with Tracy Chapman in her home. Yeah. Um, and there was a video released of her sort of making a cup of tea and heading And making a statement or... about it too. Yeah. And, look, there was one little mention when I went looking about who's behind this, what's happening, one very little mention in an ABC article and there was a reference to the PR firm involved in that campaign to free Folbig and they were the ones who managed it all. And I guess we're not saying there's anything wrong with no. that. I mean, wrangling the media in a moment like this yeah. is something that does need to be managed in a, lot of, in a lot of instances. Um, there's still a bit to go. I mean, we're talking about wrangling. There's still quite a bit to go as far as the legalities and what happens now for Kathleen Folbig. Yeah, so she's been pardoned. But the next step is to see whether the courts will overturn her conviction. Mm. And if that happens, she'll be able to access compensation. So the best example I can draw um, with this happening before, of course, is Lindy Chamberlain. Mm. Um, She was in prison for three years, accused of murdering her daughter. That's the the dingo stole my baby, that whole story. She was released in 1982 and was eventually paid $1.2 million in compensation. So sort of the point of reference, different jurisdiction, but... um, 20 years in prison. 20 years in prison is a a different story, five years solitary confinement. Um, There's a bit to go on this one. Coming up this weekend, 
Claire, first and foremost, is yep. a whole heap of tennis. The French Open women's final tonight, the men's final tomorrow night. I was incredibly impressed with you and Alice in Friday's podcast with your pronunciations of all the tennis players' names. Oh, that's Alice. That's not me. I'm oh, terrible at it. It's so hard. <laughs> she's, she's very good. We've got that Champions League match tomorrow morning that we've already talked about. Come Monday, it's a long weekend. Our first King's birthday, Claire. That's yeah. for anyone in the ACT, New South Wales, Northern Territory, South Australia or Tasmania. Yeah, you chipped me last week for wishing other people well when good they luck. have a good, good luck, luck to, to you. you. <laughs> good luck to us this weekend. Good luck to us. Um, of course, it's not the real birthday of King Charles. No, but we've got to have a weekend to celebrate. So that's what's coming up. Yep. Um, so that means no squiz on Monday. Yep. We'll be back on Tuesday. Um Back on Tuesday as well is federal parliament. Mm -hmm. Uh, A couple of interesting data points out that week as well, of course, talking about the economy, interest rates, all feeding into the washing machine of what we're experiencing at the moment, yep. which is a real cost of living crisis. We've talked about that for a long time. But oh, she's seen... called it cost of living crisis. We're there. Oh. We're absolutely there. Um, jobs data is out next week. Also migration data. That's from the Bureau of Stats. Um, the reason we're pointing out those is that it's just part of this conversation mm. and it's good to be across those data points coming in. Yeah, and there'll be commentary around what's happening with jobs, what's happening with migration and how that plays into housing prices, rental prices, how it plays into cost of living, all of that. Um, It was a huge piece of news this week, the RBA lifting rates again. I don't know about you, but it really is the water cooler topic. So I had people around last night for dinner. I mean, we spent an hour talking about all of this. This is why I'm calling it. It (laughs) seems to be like... A real thing now. It's really, yeah, it's top of mind for for everyone. It's affecting everyone. One of my mates pointed out to me this week that a jar of Vegemite, so one of the large jars, $9. That is a lot of money for Vegemite. And and you pointed out, you don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. (laughs) You can only go one way because no one's getting Marmite. No, no, they're not. And if you are, well. I don't know if we can be friends if that's the case. (laughs) (laughs) So um, you mentioned that to people is expensive things all over the place. Yeah. And I'm certainly noticing around my neighbourhood the restaurants are less and less full. Yeah, I think it's starting to happen. Mm. Um, I guess the interesting thing in the commentary this week and in the news is how Philip Lowe is going gung-ho to fix inflation. He wants it down to 2 to 3%. Oh, he yeah. says it'll take some years to get there. And you know what? What I found interesting this week too, of course, there's been a bit of pressure on him for quite some time, mm. but there's now starting to be photos of him on the golf course. Oh, and there photos was photos walking yes. out of a dinner. And there's all this commentary around, you know, the fact that he doesn't have a mortgage. And I mean, He's that's living this life. It's been and, bubbling yeah. away. And yeah. I mean, there's this desire for a rift between Lowe and the government. And whether that's true or not, of course, they both say it's not, but it's sort of there and around and about. Um, yeah, and there's a, there's a flashpoint coming on that too, because the government has the Reserve Bank review. So there's a decision to be made in the coming months about Philip Lowe's term, yep. whether it's going to be extended. Uh, there's lots of questions. And of course, that could play out in a pretty nasty way. So it's up in September, his term. Yep. He can choose not to yeah, of to course. Running. I mean, I'm sure he's not like, he's he's not the, like handcuffed he's the boss to the him. job. He's he the boss of himself. Um, but then, of course, if he does decide that he would like to be reappointed, that's a decision for the government. So that's going to be a whole thing. We might leave that there. Yep. I think we'll be talking about it a fair bit in the coming weeks. Um, to round out what's coming up on the Vegemite theme, it's the 100th anniversary of Vegemite's launch in 1923. Yeah. That's on Wednesday. There's some Vegemite talking points for you. Maybe a discount <laughs> while, we're, while we're at it. Um <laughs> 
Thursday. It wasn't what I was expecting <laughs> for the week, but we've got Vegemite covered off. I love Vegemite. <laughs> Thursday, Xi Jinping turns 70 years old. So that was the person you mentioned in the headlines. Exactly. Xi Jinping, got yep. it. Yeah. Uh, there's a men's friendly soccer match. Sounds very casual, but it's not. It's Australia versus Argentina. It's happening in Beijing. Yeah, it's in China. Lionel Messi's involved. Mm. It's a big match that's happening over there. So that's on so Thursday. 10 o'clock? 10 p.m. our time. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then, of course, the cricket. The Ashes starts um, over in Birmingham in the UK on Friday night. So a fair bit of sport coming up. Squeeze recommends Claire this week. Classic recommendation from us. Neither of us have watched this show. <laughs> it's really our specialty, isn't it? But we're told A Beautiful Life on Netflix is a nice, easy watch rom-com that takes you back to the good old days of 90s rom-coms. Mm-hmm. That's the review from our producer, Annalise. We quite often talk about requiring new rom-com kind of content. Oh, there's just yeah. such a void of good romantic comedies. Yeah. And if this is one of them, I'm I'm going to try it on the weekend. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a good idea. Um, if you dive into Rotten Tomatoes and have a look at it, it only got a 50% rating from the critics. Mm-hmm. But when it came to the audience, it's 87%. So audience wins, I reckon. You oh. said you trusted the audience oh, totally. more than the, Yeah, I trust them more than the reviewers too. Um, <laughs> should we mention that it's Danish and it has subtitles? That could be important information because imagine <laughs> hooking onto it going, oh, it's a cool... American 90s rom-com going, no, what the heck? It's not this American. Is in Danish. It's Danish. It has subtitles, but I very much trust <laughs> Annalise's recommendations. So we put that one in there. For sure. Um, another one from me is a long read titled How Anna Winter Won Vogue's War on Woke. For those who follow the fashion world closely, I, I don't, but mm. I, I felt like I learned quite a bit Are you through sure reading you this don't? article. I don't. Um, <laughs> this is all about how the editor of British Vogue stood down last week. I miss this news. His name's Edward Ennerful. The machinations that might have played out around all of that is what this sort of article focuses on. It's quite interesting. So remembering The Devil Wears Prada, which mm-hmm. isn't a documentary, no. but there's a whole thing around the, the successor, the main, no, about the French editor of Vogue and the oh, yeah. other editors. Yeah. Like there's a whole tribe, I think, and a lot of politics that plays out. Yep. So Anna Wintour, of course, being the mega Vogue brand mm. internationally, um, although she's based in the US, there's a whole European faction uh, and then it comes to the UK. So I haven't followed it that closely, but there's I've definitely been aware of that issue. So it was interesting to see that he left this week. He left. He still has a role at Condé Nasser, the publisher. Um, He's going to be an advisor, which is what they say when you haven't been sacked, but you're grumpy. Is it like special projects? You're still going to get paid. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> Got but you. you're not working. Got you. So that's, um, that's a really good read. The other thing, of course, as always, a recipe, roast cauliflower salad. I'm really here for this one. It looks delicious. It's one of those great Instagram recipes where you can see it unfold in a minute or so, but the, all the details are there. It looks amazing. Pomegranate. Like what else is there? Like whipped herbs, feta. Whipped, oh, whipped feta. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Delicious. Links to all of that is in your episode notes. Squeeze Press Claire. Um, we just wanted to shout out actually to the DPA this week. We're a member of an industry association called the DPA, the Digital Publishers Alliance. We've been to um, three events between us um, that the Digital Publishers Alliance held. Mm. Um, we one one lunch, couple of no two lunches, two one lunches, dinner. What have one we been dinner. To? You you tell them. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 
of course got us Where bamboozled because we don't get out that much. Yeah, it's very confusing. <laughs> yeah. So that has been a thing for us this week. Look, it's really great. Um, there were a couple of purposes to that. The lunches were with media agencies. Yeah. We're not going to take you and drag you through the whole world of how we commercialise and monetize our content. Um, but, of course, these are people who are really integral to big campaigns. Yeah. Um, this is part of, Kate's your your world of wrangling that yeah, side so of the business. Yeah, so we sat down to, to lunch with a few of the, the, the big wigs, I guess, in, in media, which was fantastic. And um, and then you and I went and had dinner with a whole heap of other independent media companies that are members of the DPA. And um, it was just – it's just super great to be in a room and, and yeah. anyone can relate when you're in a room of people that are doing something similar to you. Yeah. It's always so much fun. Yeah, and I think to, you know, running a small business, it, it's tough. It's really hard. You're just really feeling it sometimes like you're slogging away at it. Mm. So it's just nice to be with other people who are facing the same challenges and, you know. Feeling the same, have a glass of wine. You're not alone. You're not alone. It was really, really nice. So a shout out to the DPA, Tim Duggan, who was the founder, who was one of the founders of Junkie, um, heads that up for us all and he was in town. So it was nice to catch him. Um, But that's just a little sort of peek behind the curtain of what goes on as far as um, how we work with other independents and, and what we're all up to. Enjoy your long weekend for those of you who are getting one. I'm sorry, Victoria and Queensland. Yes, good luck to you. Have a lovely day on Monday at work and we will be back on Tuesday and, of course, back with Saturday Squeeze next weekend. Chat to you then. Listener.